When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, what's going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Biscalia. Thank you all for joining me on this post-game edition wildcard round where the Bills, they certainly made themselves earn it, and the Dolphins made them earn it too. Uh, they ended up getting a 34-31 to victory over the Dolphins, a game that was far closer than it probably should have been and it was far closer than a lot of people thought it would be, myself included. But a lot of self-inflicted errors helped lead the Bills to have to really sweat this game out. And, you know, it is a playoff game. And you can't really expect that it's just going to be a walk in the park. But there are a lot of things that were going the Bills' way heading into the game. You know, when you just look at the offensive side of things, their top two quarterbacks were not playing. Their their offensive line was in tatters. The uh, I I laid it out on the preview episode. Their best offensive lineman, their left tackle Armstead, he was fighting through injuries all season, fought just to play in the game, and then, you know, had to miss some snaps during the game. It wound up coming back. They had to start a guy that they just called up from the practice squad named Lester Cotton at guard. They moved a guard to tackle. It just, it was, uh, it was an overall like just patchwork offensive line. And then some of the pieces that they've lost on defense over time. Oh, I, I didn't mention Raheem Mostert. They didn't have him, their, their top running back. And then on defense, who they've lost over the course of the season, guys like Byron Jones and you know Nick Needham, Emmanuel Ogba. This, this Dolphins team was pretty banged up, but they still had a solid defense and a, and a good running game. It's just a but it's not it wasn't so overwhelming that the bills should have struggled as much as they did and uh it it was definitely quite a bit too close for comfort i'm sure for a lot of you out there you know going into this game i mentioned the stat about since 2000 teams in the wild card round that were favored by 10 or more points were seven and one against the spread, and eight and zero in the game straight up. And the Bills, of course, they did not cover the spread, which wound up getting up to fourteen points. But they almost were the first team since two thousand to lose, given that 
given that lofty expectation of themselves. But they found a way later on in the game and and certainly saved what would have been one of the worst franchise losses that we've seen from them, given all of the expectations. But they didn't lose. But we can also go over some of the stuff that uh, made this game as close as it did, especially when it seemed like they were on the doorstep of really just taking it to blowout city. I mean, they were up 17 nothing. Probably should have been up 21 to nothing, but that was part of the issue too. Some self-inflicted errors, self-inflicted wounds. The Bills just allowed Miami to hang into it way too long. So we'll get into all of it and uh of course hit some awards as well. But I, I did wait to record this podcast until after the Bengals-Ravens game, so that way, obviously, this wouldn't sound super dated because I didn't know exactly who the Bills would be playing because that game was pretty tight. Thought it might be, but uh, Ravens had a great chance to win it, had a great chance to tie it if uh, James Prochet would have uh, came down with the ball in the end zone, but didn't happen. So now it'll be the Bills against the Bengals. On Sunday at Highmark Stadium with a 3 p.m. kickoff. So uh, not not the 1 o'clock, but just a couple hours later. And uh, it'll be that late afternoon, early evening game. Just as the, the sun is setting and the lights start to go on. It'll be a pretty visually stunning game, I think, especially with... Uh, with how good these offenses can be, and then, you know, a pretty good uniform combo too, I think. So Bills, Bengals, we will uh, see how these two teams match up with one another, and we'll get further into that as the uh, as the week goes along, of course. And on the other side of the AFC bracket, the Chiefs will be taking on the Jaguars on Saturday afternoon, so... A lot of uh, a lot of intrigue, and if the Jaguars were to pull the upset and the Bills were to win, then the AFC Championship game, of course, would be held in Buffalo. But if it were the Bills and Chiefs to advance, then the AFC Championship game is in Atlanta. So that's what we're looking at in terms of the second round of the playoffs, the divisional round. Okay, so let's get into this game because it couldn't have started off better for the Bills. They get the ball first. They don't score, but they look pretty proficient on offense right from the get-go. They were involving Stefan Diggs, a couple of big plays, moving it down the field. They wind up turning the ball over on downs. Wasn't the ideal result on their initial drive, but you could still tell that the Bills were on to something. It's like, okay, the Dolphins were kind of lucky to, to get off the field without surrendering any points, and the Bills were just looking to make a statement to start that game. Then the defense comes out, forces, uh, forces a three and out right away from, from the Dolphins. And so the Bills get the ball back, end up scoring. You know, Bills get a pick. Bills score again. The uh, the Bills force 
a punt on the next Miami drive. The Bills score again. Uh, this time it was a, a field goal. And so the Bills were up 17 to nothing in the second quarter. And it just looked like, at one point, I leaned over to my colleague Tim Graham at The Athletic. And I'm like, there's a chance that they could set some playoff records here if if this keeps going this way. And it certainly seemed like everything was just going well. What the Dolphins did with Josh Allen, or how they tried to defend him, is they tried to blitz him a ton in oh, throughout those first four drives. On those first four drives, they wound up blitzing him which is, you know, a pass rush of five or more players, according to True Media, this is. They wound up blitzing him 11 times throughout those first four offensive series for the Bills. And the reason why I think they were trying to blitz him and to make him work for it is because a lot of his stats against the Blitz since the Bills' bye week has been pretty bad. You go and look at it. Since week eight, Josh Allen, out of 31 qualifying quarterbacks, is dead last or was dead last in both completion percentage. Let's see, I think it was, I had the stat right in front of me. Uh, here it is 50 per, completing only 50% of his passes against the Blitz. And his yards per attempt was, again, 31st out of 31 at 4.61 yards per attempt. And that's on 86 attempts throughout, you know, week 8 through week 18. Now, and the Dolphins are a team that likes to blitz. They they blitzed at I believe at the third highest rate in the NFL throughout the regular season, and you could just tell that that's probably what they wanted to do and being such heavy underdogs knowing that a lot was stacked against them just in terms of being injury depleted. They were probably going to try to play a more volatile game, high risk, high reward sort of style to try and help them pay off and force some turnovers, get themselves back in the game, really make it a game where it probably shouldn't have been a game. So they tried blitzing a ton early on and Allen and offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey, they were on fire through those first four drives. Josh Allen against the Blitz. He, the Dolphins blitzed him 11 times on those first four drives. Allen, mind you, since week eight, had a completion percentage of 50. That goes up to 67.7% over those first four drives. Two of... The misfires, and I use that in finger quotes, were because of drops. And his yards per attempt, he nearly tripled his yards per attempt from what it was from week 8 through through week 18 to what it was in the first four offensive series for the Bills. So again, week 8 through 18, 4.61 yards per attempt. First four drives against the Dolphins, 12 yards per attempt for Josh Allen. It was just, he couldn't miss. He couldn't be stopped. 
I mean, we saw that that dart to Dawson Knox in, in the end zone, the one-handed catch. Like, that, Allen was feeling it. It looked like it was a continuation from where they left off in the playoffs last year. Just fast forward 12 months. And it certainly seemed like with the way the defense was playing, the way the offense was playing, and that the Dolphins really had to rely on Skylar Thompson that much more from that point forward. It just seemed like they were ready to avalanche the Dolphins. But to Miami's credit, they completely flipped the script in terms of how they defended Josh Allen. So I mentioned that they sent a blitz, according to True Media, 11 times on those first four series. The rest of the game, they only did so, let's see, seven times. Only seven times. And over the second and third quarter, they only they, they did it six times. They only did it once in the fourth quarter. And so their strategy, after Allen and the offense was absolutely just picking them apart, was to pick their spots with the blitz as opposed to just doing it early and often. They used, they focused on their coverage and making Allen beat them with his mind, you know, bait, trying to bait him into deep throws and mistakes, and, and he took the bait. So as the Bills were going, we saw Allen start to struggle. Dorsey was went from this super creative and the way that he was using his personnel was unlike any other game that we've seen from Dorsey. Like in my notes, I wrote down Dorsey calling a Dable like game early on in the game because there was just so many changes from one play to the next in terms of how they use their wide receivers. In the first half, the Bills used 15 different combinations of their receivers. If you want me to go down the list, I will. In With two receiver sets, they used Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis. They used Stefan Diggs with John Brown. They used Gabe Davis with, with uh, Khalil Shakir. They used Stefan Diggs with Khalil Shakir. In 11 personnel, they used... Diggs, Shakir, and Brown. They use Davis, Beasley, and Shakir. They use Diggs, Davis, Beasley. They use Davis, Shakir, Brown. You get the picture. Like <laughs> There's 15 of them. I don't need to keep going through with it. I went through and, and tracked every single snap. And it was uh it was wild how how well he was using them and how it, you know it had like when Dable was really feeling it. When he was still in Buffalo, it felt almost like a hockey style change where you get the the three forwards to head over the boards and get on the field. It's just like three in, three out, two in, two out. And it just never really gave Miami a chance to figure out what the Bills were kind of doing. So they took a lot of that matchup sort of stuff out of the equation. And they focused on two main things. One to make sure that Stefan Diggs was no longer going to crush them because he was he nearly had 100 yards in the first half I think he had or I'm sorry in the first quarter I think in 96 very early into the second quarter got over 100 and then from that point forward 
not really heard from anymore. Was only targeted once in the second half. So the Dolphins said, okay, we're going to focus on coverage. The blitz is fine every once and again, but we're going to focus on coverage. Going to take out Stefan Diggs and make everyone else on the field except Stefan Diggs be the one that beats the Miami Dolphins. They sold out to do it, and it worked. The Bills really didn't have a chance to pivot all that much. Drive after drive, sputtered, mental errors, drops, interceptions. And the wildest thing about it is that there was never any counter from Ken Dorsey, which is why on my seven observations over at The Athletic, I put second half Ken Dorsey, and really you could say it was halfway through second quarter to the end of the game Ken Dorsey, but it's not as clean. I had him as my LVP. The way that the Bills just did not adjust to the Dolphins' adjustment of how they were defending them was utterly shocking. I need to find uh, I need to find my exact exact numbers on how maddening it was at times, but just some of the sequencing just felt off that creative personnel usage basically went away by the time the second half rolled around you know they I'm, I mentioned that they used 15 different wide receiver combinations in the first half in the second half that number uh, was down more than half I think it was at seven to my count. But the most interesting, most interesting thing is, is that the offense and Josh Allen isn't, isn't you know getting away scot free here. He made some some pretty bad decisions too, that allowed the Dolphins into the game more than they should have been. So it wasn't the 2021 playoff Josh from coast to coast that excellent game. He was making some errors. But Dorsey continued to try and push the ball down the field. The Dolphins were kind of daring him to. The one sequence that I think sticks out to everyone's brain is the Gabe Davis back-to-back go routes down the left sideline. Which, first one on a first down, I get it. Take a shot. Usually, when... You see a receiver run a go route like that, especially on the Bills, they're usually coming off for the next play just to catch their breath. Davis goes back to the huddle. What happens? Call it again. Get the same sort of look. Calls it again. Davis obviously out of steam this time. Just doesn't have enough of the juice to get down the field. The ball is nowhere close to Davis. And before you know it, it's third down with... What, minimal time taken off the clock? So that's the one that kind of sticks in everyone's brain. But it's so much more than that because on those uh, 
as I mentioned, the Dolphins kind of shied away from the blitz. And they absolutely did in the fourth quarter. The only time that they blitzed in the fourth quarter, according to True Media, was on Khalil Shakir's 31-yarder on third down. It was an incredible play by Shakir and a great throw by Josh Antlin. But the rest of the time, it was four pass rushers or fewer. And when there wasn't a blitz, the numbers were a bit interesting. Actually, before I get into those numbers, on the times that they they did blitz in the second and third quarter, I just wanted to throw this in here. It was a lot more of the same from what the Bills had gotten from Allen against the Blitz from weeks 8 through 18. It was only on, on six snaps, but Allen completed only 40% of his passes for a yards per attempt of three. So it went from 12 in those first four series through the rest of the second quarter and all the way through the third quarter to three yards per attempt. That's a something not firing there. And so the rest of the time when they were not blitzing, this is the number that kind of astounded me. Allen attempted 20 passes over on the uh, down the stretch after those first four series after they had gone up 17 to nothing. Allen attempted 20 passes. Hit on 10 of them. Again, against non-blitzers. But the air yards per attempt was insane <laughs> especially because the dolphins were specializing in coverage and dropping guys in into into the backfield and trying to bait the bills into taking these deep shots on those 20 throws his air yards per attempt was 17.85 yards which is a lot but it gets even worse because on the 10 completions his air yards per attempt was only 10.1 on the 10 incompletions, his air yards per attempt was 25.6 air yards per attempt. So that's a refusal to see what the team in front of you is doing and how they're defending you and continuing to try and, you know, ram your head against the wall. And that wall is not moving. Made of pure cement. Might they get some leeway every once in a while? Sure. Maybe. But. And then when you couple that with the fact that the Dolphins have a really good run defense and the Bills weren't able to be as effective on the ground, it just. It led to a lot of lack lack of creativity. It almost seemed like the Bills had a specific plan knowing that the Dolphins would try to sell out with the Blitz. They were ready for it. They were prepped. They had this whole big plan for it. And then when the Dolphins pivoted, the Bills didn't have an answer. So that was a a huge P 
piece of the puzzle as to how the Dolphins were able to crawl themselves back into it. I mean, the turnovers play into it. Special teams allowing a, a big return. That's another piece of the puzzle. And then, of course, the defensive touchdown that wound up giving the Dolphins the lead in the second half. But the Dolphins were, like, their talent level, they they needed what happened on Sunday against the Bills. That was their formula to try and win the game because they just didn't have the talent to stay with the Bills. On their five drives that resulted in points, so they got, what was it, 24 points total from their offense, and then the defense chipped in seven with that fumble return for a touchdown in the third quarter. On their five offensive drives that resulted in points, their average drive start position was at the Bills' 45-yard line. Twice they were within they were twice they were within the bills 30 they had one long drive and that was when they were down by 10 points and it seemed like the bills were about to take the ball, take the game over again and they crawled back into it with that long standing drive that was their most impressive one by far the rest of the time they did just enough to get in field goal range or they were really close to the end zone and they punched it in because, you know, the, the defense was up against it. So just uh, so many different things that had gone wrong for the Bills did. And that's why it was so close. That is why the Dolphins nearly shocked the world despite all of their injuries to potentially win that game. And I had a lot of people pissed off. And they were right to be pissed off. Like, that's the way that they handled the Dolphins switching their strategy after they went down by three scores. You got to be better than that. That that has to be something you leave behind in this game. And the Bills will just have to hope that it's a learning experience and it's something that can help them stay sharper, but... Yeah, they're definite, at least slight, cause for concern as to what this thing is going to look like when they're not going up against Skylar Thompson, the backup offensive lineman, and for a lot of the for a lot of the Dolphins roster, the skeleton crew of the Dolphins of what they were from the beginning of the year. So the offense needs to turn some stuff around here. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. But I will say, I, I really thought the defense stepped up in a big way with a lot of individual performances showing up to me. Ed Oliver, I thought, was great. Again, had a really good matchup uh, on the interior. They were starting two backup guards. Oliver, I thought, really stepped up, especially in the second half. Tremaine Edmonds was awesome, again, just showing that all-around game from him. And just how many times did the Bills' defense bail out the bail out the offense and the special teams, especially with such horrible drive start positioning? Three times, three separate times, the Bills were the Bills were facing the Bills' defense was facing a a drive start on their side of the field. Once at the 18, once at the 48, once at the 27. And somehow, despite having that average drive start be at the 40, their own 45, they only allowed, what was it, 24 points? That's a, that's a really good job by them. Very much commendable. Three field goals and a couple of touchdowns. It probably should have been a lot worse. But they stepped up. The other player that stepped up on on defense and is one that I think a lot of people have been waiting for to see how he would fare in in kind of a full-time role was Kair Elam. And he wasn't even meant to have a full-time role. The Bills, kind of sneakily, started the game with Dane Jackson. And rather than doing the two-series-on, two-series-off rotation that they had done basically the entire season with that cornerback spot, the Bills just kept Dane Jackson out there the entire time. It was his game. Totally his game. They had decided on him. Probably Elam allowing the touchdown to the Patriots receiver the week before likely didn't help that. But even that being said, if you go back and watch the film, Elam wasn't horrible during the game. He he allowed that touchdown, no doubt, and that's that's a really bad play by him, especially because it looked like he was in position. But there were also a lot of plays where he was going stride for stride and and just looking the part. It wasn't a good game, but 
It wasn't get this guy off the field and never let him see see the field in the playoffs again type bad. So Dane Jackson was the starter through the first five drives. He winds up injuring his knee just before the end of the, the second quarter. Kair Elam comes in, and from that point forward, it was Elam the rest of the way. And I even asked Sean McDermott after the game about Dane and whether or not he could have come back in. And McDermott said, yeah, he, he could have come back in if they needed him to. So I think they liked what they saw from Kyrie Elam. And how could they not? There were just so many different opportunities for him that he capitalized on. Of course, the one everyone thinks about is the clutch interception when the Bills were down 24-20 to that set them up on the doorstep in Dolphins territory, which eventually led to the Bills taking a 27-24 to lead. Just a humongous play in that spot by the rookie where he reacted to what he had seen on film, jumped the route, high-pointed the ball, just a beautiful play by him all in all. And that's the sort of ceiling potential that you have when a guy like Kair Elam is in the game. Is it more volatile? Certainly. But you could absolutely make the argument that he isn't any more volatile than what they would have with Dane Jackson in the lineup. But with Dane Jackson, you're not getting all the game-changing stuff, the potentially game-changing stuff. And he's going to struggle in in man-to-man coverage, so you're a bit limited in what you can do. Elam, once he's fully in tune with that zone defense, and he's been doing a lot better of a job of it, once you hear that, and once you see that, then he should be out there all the time. And for him to show that in a playoff setting, that's going to go miles and miles to the coaching staff in their their decision for the upcoming game against the Bengals. And it wasn't just the interception. There were pass breakups. It was being where he needed to be in coverage. Run defense, run support. There was one play where he shot in from the right side and tripped up the ball carrier. I think it was Wilson. Tripped up the ball carrier right as he was about to get ahead of steam and and run forward on a uh, wide zone attempt. And he was the one that helped stop it for, I think it was like a two or three yard gain maybe. It's those... Little signs that the Bills have kind of been waiting for with Elam, and now they're getting it. The action of not putting Dane Jackson back in the game when they could have speaks volumes as to how they felt about Elam's performance. So, if it's me, and I know I'm probably saying something that you guys... And, and gals all agree with. But that said, I remember back, what was it? 
three, four weeks ago saying, all right, Elam, Elam should be the every down starter. Especially when Christian Benford was still injured. Like, Elam should, should get the chance to be the full-time starter so they could see what this ceiling potential is. Because you see these flashes throughout a game, and he does have some errors. Definitely does. He's a rookie. Happens. But to see him capitalize in a huge spot when the team needed it, I just don't know how the Bills can go back to Jackson. At least until Elam does something so egregious where they're like, okay, get Dane in there. Start mixing Dane in a little bit more. But Elam has been on a steady climb really since they made him a healthy scratch. Maybe that's kind of the the kick in the behind that he needed. You know, people just rave about his work ethic and how much he studies and how much he takes care of his body. So I don't know if it's necessarily like a a concern sort of thing to kick his butt into gear, but you know, just to capitalize on his opportunities. I think that's that's what it really boils down to, and he has most times that he's been out there. So that's why should just roll with Kyrie Elam at this point because he is their most talented corner, not named Tredavious White. Most talented boundary corner, I should say. He has been... He has deserved it, I think is the, the best way to put it. So, all in all, the defense, they are kind of the glue that held everything together. And I know the Dolphins had that one drive, and I know the Dolphins had got some points, but you have to keep it with a context. And the Dolphins, even though they were banged up a little bit, well, not, not a little bit, a lot of it, they still had their star receivers in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, who neither of them, they were given, they weren't uh, giving Skylar Thompson their best game early on in that game either. But even still, even with a third-string quarterback in there and some, a lot of things going on with their offensive line to just stop them at the point before, before they get in the end zone on, on a few of these drives that we're talking about. That's, that's, a, that's the difference in the game right there. They allow a touchdown rather than a field goal one other time. Dolphins might wind up winners in this game. So the defense came in with a humongous task at hand because Skylar Thompson obviously was the starter for the Dolphins. They probably didn't want to turn the game over to him because of his struggles and, you know, they have some other pieces they want to do. So Limiting what the Dolphins could do on the ground was just of the utmost importance. And throughout that game against running backs, the Bills' defense was spectacular. 15 carries between Jeff Wilson and Saivan Ahmed, and they gained a total of 26 yards. Under two yards a carry. I believe it's 1.7. 
I thought the play of the defensive tackles against the run were all very good. They didn't have Jordan Phillips, but the combo of Daquan Jones and Ed Oliver looked good. Same thing goes with the, the combo of Ely and Koo and, and Tim Settle. But that all really helped pass the test, and it forced the Dolphins into throwing way more than they wanted to. They mixed in some runs to players that weren't their their running backs in Wilson and Ahmed, but for the most part, they were throwing. Skylar Thompson wound up with 45 pass attempts in this game, which is way too many than, than what the Dolphins wanted to do. So that's why, all in all, despite, you know, the, the scoreboard looks horrible because it's like, oh, Dolphins scored 31 with their third-string quarterback. When you factor in the context, the way that the defense played was, was pretty impressive. The drive start thing is just mind-blowing. I mean, even if you... I, I'm going to do this on the fly, but... The Dolphins wound up, I think it was the their long drive at the end of the game. Let me go back to the game book real quick. When they brought the game back in within three points, they started at their own 25. So that was their longest drive start of the game. So, real quick math. In the four drives for the for the Dolphins that wound up in points in which the Bills allowed, let's see, what was it, 17 points. The average drive start for the Dolphins was at the Bills' 38-yard line. So that 75-yard drive that brought them back within three points the Bills seemed like they were in control at that point of, of the game. Still had to finish it out, but man, those first four drives, an average drive start of 38. Sorry, first four offensive uh, scoring drives for the Dolphins, drive start of 38. Bills 38. It's crazy stuff. Absolutely crazy stuff. So look beyond the points scored because... The Bills defense really, I think, deserves a lot of credit for holding this whole thing together. All right, let's get into some awards before I get all big picture on us. Um, you know, skip the awards the uh, last week just out of respect to the situation and everything like that. But I think we're in a good spot now, and uh, and certainly people are more focused on football than anything else, especially with the playoffs being here. So. Let's just tr- jump right into it. So we will begin with the Dree Archer Award for the player or thing that did not show up at all in the game. And I'm going to go with John Brown here. Had a lot of time on the field. They mixed him in and certainly wanted to get get the Dolphins confused with all of the different personnel they were using but John Brown winds up with only one target I think he had over 20 snaps in this game which was the most he's had in a in a game for the Bills since he has been back one target no yards no catches 
just a big old zero for um, for John Brown. So he gets the Dre Archer Award for me. My Vontae Davis Award for the player or person that did not show up in the second half. I don't think any, I'm going to get any arguments with this whatsoever. Ken Dorsey. They needed him to be a lot more creative. They needed him to be a lot more sensing of the moment of what the Bills needed, and they just didn't get it in that spot. And it almost cost them. It almost cost them the game because they didn't counter as well as they should have. But, you know, the Bills were still able to find a way to get the job done. But Ken Dorsey, very deserving of the Vontae Davis Award. Next up, we'll go with the Matt Barkley Award for the player or thing or person that caught you by surprise for a good reason. I'm going to go with Boogie Basham, the the fourth of four defensive ends on the roster. I really liked Basham's game today. I thought he put together some nice pass rushes against a guard who was out at right tackle, had a sack. You know, if you recall that one play where... Tremaine Edmonds jarred the ball loose from Ahmed on a third down, on a third down catch. It was a huge hit. Like you, you could hear the reaction in the stadium from that hit. I mean, it was a great play by Edmonds, but before that ball was snapped, Basham, who was likely studying for that look, sees Ahmed start to head out out wide immediately signals signals and points his finger out toward the flat area to try and signal to his second-level defenders like, hey, he's probably going to the flat here to Ahmed. Edmonds, I mean, he he does his own film study, so he, he was right there. But I just I just thought the recognition part of that play by Basham was such a such a good uh, indicator of how in tune with the game that he was. So, yeah, Basham Basham is deserving of that one, especially because it hasn't been a, a really a great year for him and what he has uh, been able to give in his second season. Been a bit of a disappointment and something that, you know, we'll have to think about in the offseason as it pertains to what the Bills might do with this roster. But in this one game, I really like what Basham did. All right, next up is the, let's see, the Blaine Gabbert Award for Perseverance. And I think I need to give it to Khalil Shakir because dropped a huge potential, uh, I mean, they wound up getting a, a field goal, I think, but just dropped a huge play that could have helped the Bills get into the end zone again. And one where he definitely wanted back after listening to what he had to say after the game. Seemed like he had it, but he didn't really have it and tried to roll over on it, but to no avail. Shakir winds up dropping that pass that could have been a huge play of the game. And then just goes and makes... One of the biggest plays in the game later on, which was the 31-yard catch on third down where Allen just absolutely rifled it in. It was on the the Dolphins' lone blitz in the fourth quarter, but 
Great play by Khalil Shakir in a huge spot, especially when there was no Isaiah McKenzie. Cole Beasley was and, and John Brown were both figuring in for a bit more snaps. So that was a definitely Shakir's most biggest output, I should say, of uh, in terms of receiving over the last couple of months. So nice, nice job by Khalil Shakir. And then for the Gotta Watch the Tape Award, which, of course, the allusion to the one, the only Nathan Peterman in week one against Baltimore in 2018. I don't know. You see, these ones, this one is tough because a lot of the things that went wrong with the Bills, we were able to see. So I guess, gotta watch the tape on Josh Allen. I... And if it was as much on Ken Dorsey as maybe I think it was, or if a, or if some of it was Josh Allen just trying to get too greedy and trying to take the big play down the field. So, not really the, the fun side of the, the Gotta Watch a Table War, but I'm genuinely curious as to if Allen was just ignoring some underneath stuff. To push the ball down the field because that stat that stat I, I told you earlier on the ten incompletions after the Bills were up seventeen nothing on the ten incompletions when the Dolphins were not blitzing his air yards per attempt was twenty five point six just it's a lot <laughs> it's definitely a lot all right so let's let's big picture this because obviously. I think fans are a little, a little pissed off about how it looked because it should have been an easy afternoon. So the bad news is they did not play their best game as the playoffs started. And it definitely put whether or not they're going to win that game in doubt. It went from being like, oh, they're going to blow them out to, wow, are they really going to blow this in in a hurry. So it wasn't pretty. That's the bad news. The good news is that there doesn't need to be carryover from this game. It is a one game situation. They move on. They have the Bengals next week on which a lot tougher of a challenge by all means. Just going and seeing how good they were on film in the week leading up to that Monday night game. Uh, they're a legit Super Bowl contender and it is going to be an absolute battle between these two teams. But that's why maybe getting this Miami game if you're if you're the optimist might, you know, get it out of their system. If you're a pessimist, you're thinking to yourself, okay. This is the first sign that this is not a Super Bowl winning team because they let a third string quarterback hang around for far too long and nearly lost the game because they couldn't get out of their own way on offense, which was the offense is supposed to be their calling card. And they were great early on, but had to rest on their laurels for a lot of that game. And 
wait for the defense to kind of bail them out the rest of the way. So that would be a pessimist point of view. The optimist might look at it and go, okay, well, they just had an opportunity to have one of those games that potentially serves as a wake-up call that they incurred amidst a a now eight-game winning streak. And to open up the playoffs to maybe, you know, make them a little bit more sharper, a little, a little more attention to detail. And the one thing that that I couldn't let leave my brain as soon as that game ended was, you know, this team, which just, they haven't been able to do it as much this year because they have been favored in basically every single game. But the one thing that they love to do is anytime they get any sort of slight, they just feed off that like crazy. So I, the one thing that I, that could not leave my mind was, Oh, they're, they're definitely going to take this and run with it. Like, Oh, no one, no one thinks we can win now. That, that sort of thing. When in reality, Still, a lot of people think they can beat the Bengals. A lot of people think they can beat the Chiefs because they did beat the Chiefs. A lot of people still think they can win the Super Bowl. But whatever you have to convince yourself of this time of year. So it's not it's not exactly clear as to what the Bills are going to be. And, it, and surely the, the playoffs, it's a difficult realm. You know, I think maybe... There was a little bit of a, uh, I guess, the expectations were a little bit higher for how the Bills should operate within the playoffs based on how they blew out the Patriots last wildcard round, where it was perfect offense, scoring on almost every touchdown, or scoring a touchdown on almost every single offensive series. And the only one that they didn't, I believe, was you know the kneel down at the end of the game. So I think that maybe brought in a little bit of unrealistic expectations about what it was going to look like. And the Dolphins still have a good defense, so I didn't think it would be perfect for them today. I, I didn't, I certainly didn't think it was going to be 34-31, I'll tell you that much. The Bills tried very hard to let the Dolphins back in the game, but... To their credit, they closed the door when they needed to. So it's got to be something that they learn from. Has to be something that makes them sharper. I still think that despite what we saw on Sunday, I still think that they are every ounce the Super Bowl championship contender that they have been for a lot of the season. I think they have a lot of great pieces in place. They're healthy. You know, they've got a good track. Still have another home game. Like, it's a really tough team, mind you. But they still have another home game. Possibly two home games if the Jaguars pull the upset. But at the very least, a home game and a neutral site game. And if they win that neutral site game, another neutral site game. So they don't have to win on the road. 
They just have to win a couple of bowl games. It's a big just, by the way. But So, despite some of the, the things that probably made Bills fans want to rip their hair out in this game, I do believe that this is still a legitimate threat to win the Super Bowl this year. But they have to be a lot better than they were. They have to have attention to detail. They have to get both their quarterback and their offensive coordinator to be able to counter, especially when a team plays them differently than they were expecting or that they were early in the game. This has to be a learning experience, and I think it will be for for Allen. But I want to see what Dorsey learns from this and how they incorporate things next week against the Bengals, who will obviously see what the Dolphins did in uh, after the Bills went up 17-0 and go, okay, how do we replicate this? How do we make it our own? So there will be things that they need to answer. But all in all, they're still alive, and that's really all that matters. They won, they advanced, they survived. However you want to say it, they're still in. They're one of the final eight teams remaining in the NFL for the third year in a row, which is a really good accomplishment. But if they want to make this season truly special, if they want to make this season the first Super Bowl winning team in franchise history, they need a lot better than what they got on Sunday against the Dolphins. It's in there, but they need a lot more, especially on offense. So we will see how they respond, and we will see if this is maybe the kick in the ass that they needed or if it's a sign of impending doom. One way or the other, we're going to find out on Sunday, 3 p.m. against the Bengals. And that is going to be a heck of a matchup that I'm really looking forward to watching unfold in front of my eyes at Highmark Stadium. All right. So that's going to do it. The Bills still in it. They defeat the Dolphins 34 to 31 on to the divisional round where they will take on the Bengals in one of the marquee games of the weekend. So the next time you'll hear from me will be later in the week to preview that Bengals game and definitely watch a lot of what the Ravens were able to do and and how they're able to slow down the Bengals a little bit. Should be very interesting how these two teams square off, especially with how well the Bills defense is playing. All right, so thank you all for listening. My name is Joe Biscalia, and uh, we will talk to you when we get closer to Bills-Bengals next weekend. See you then.